And the children may come forward. Yeah. Why don't you sit right here on the floor and I will sit facing you. Let me give Angie, Angie the book here. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, why don't you go sit with Miss Angie so you can see me. Yeah. I'm going to sit right here. We have other friends coming forward. Have a seat. And you can look at you can look at me. You sit with Angie and look at me. Yeah. That's okay. You can look at Angie first if you want to, because she's got the book. So that will work fine. That will work fine. We're gonna get this. It's gonna be okay. Hello, everyone. Hello. Augie's got his space behind me. Olivia's coming to join us. How are you? How's school? How's daycare? How's it going? Good. Daphne had a birthday recently. Yeah. And you're 15 now, right? No? Five. I bet it feels like 15 to y'all. <laughs> so glad that you're here. We are going to read a story from our storybook Bible today. This is the last time that we're going to do this for a while at least. And so next week we're going to go back to stump the pastor. Okay. But right now we're going to read a story. And I want to ask you a question first. Okay. What do you see? When you look at the sky at nighttime. Stars. Yes. And who made our stars? God. Yes. So we're going to read a story about stars today. No. That's the refrain at our house right now. No. Hold. Okay. I can hold you and read. All right. Here's the story. Are you ready? Abraham was sad because he and his wife, Sarah, did not have children. God told him to pack up everything and go to a whole new land and begin a whole new life. And Abraham trusted God. So he and Sarah left their home and family and began a long, hard journey. They wandered through the deserts and up and down the mountains and through the green pastures and dark forests, constantly looking for a home of their own filled with happy children. Can you see the stars on the page? They were following the stars, looking for a home to fill with children. They wandered for so many years that they grew too old to have babies. One night, God said, I am giving this land to you and to your children and to your children's children. God, you must be joking. Sarah and I are too old to have children, Abraham said. And he stroked his long white beard. Trust me, my child, God replied. Look at the stars in the sky. Your children and your children's children will be as many as those stars. Yeah. And Abraham thought that, and we will talk about that when it's time. But did you know that God asked God told Abraham that you're going to have so many children. And Abraham thought, how could that be? And then he remembered, oh, and he remembered that God keeps his promises. Remember last week we talked about God's promise and the rainbow. And so Abraham trusted God. And then God smiled and said, I will bless you and your children so you can be a blessing to all people in the world. Isn't that cool? So I have some questions for you. Why were Sarah and Abraham sad? Do you remember? That's right. They don't have children. 
you are smart. That's, that's true. He knows that because he is smart. And that is so true, Owen. Yes, they're laughing because you're right. You are so right. You are smart. So what did God say to them? God said, you will have children. Did they believe God? Not at first. They did believe God when God showed them what in the sky? The stars. So what does it mean to trust God? It means to believe God. And we can remember that when we look at the stars. That's right. Was that Winston? Is that what you, Winston, did you say that? Oh, it was Mac. Okay, I couldn't see. Very good. So stars can remind us of the truth that we can trust God. Look. Ooh. Look at the stars. When we look at these stars, we can think of all the people God has made, even us, and how we are all connected. And just like the stars, Daphne, Owen, just like the stars, we can shine bright in how we make the world a better place. Is that cool? Yeah. It's like we're having a party. That's right. We are having a party at church. Look at the stars. Every time we look at the stars, we can remember God is with us, and we were created to shine as bright as the stars. Amen? All right. Let's pray together, okay? Yeah. You can see that. You can remember that at night, too. That's right. So, yes. The lights. Oh, she wants the stars back. <laughs> Let us pray. Repeat after me. Dear God, help me to be a blessing to others. And now let's say the Lord's Prayer together. Ready? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Very good. Thank you all. You can go to Sunday school or to your parents, wherever you can learn best. And next week we will go back to stump the pastor. All right. Yes. Thanks, Angie. Oh, my goodness, aren't they cute? <laughs> they add such a dimension to what we do together. So the sharing of our story this morning with the kids the reading of the story from the storybook, the gazing of the stars, which are still here, like real stars, right? They're always around us. We just cannot see them all the time. That is the reading of our word this morning. So this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts together be pleasing in your sight this morning, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So one of the cutest things that I have witnessed as a mother was my son, Augie, when he was a young toddler. He's five now, so this was a few years ago. He would sneeze, and he would say, oh, bless me. 
he just went for it. He didn't, he didn't wait for somebody to say, bless you. Obviously he had heard Jason or myself say that at some point or another, he just went for it. Now maybe you had to be there or maybe you had to be his parent to really think that it was adorable, but it got me to thinking about the way we use that word bless. We use it in a variety of ways, including bless you. And that phrase has origins that go back to the first century with this idea that the heart could stop when you sneeze or the soul could leave the body or evil spirits could be trying to get out. So the idea is that God would bless the person who sneezed to aid in whatever was going on in that moment. So that's bless you. And then there's the more involved bless your heart. Now, I come from the big country of Texas, so Christy already knows where I'm going with this. Bless your heart is what you say where I come from when you're about to say something ugly about someone so that you will be forgiven immediately. So, for example, bless her heart. It's not really her fault. She's never been very bright. So that's how you use bless your heart, at least, again, where I come from. And then the third that I want to share with you this morning is a Christian favorite. It's counter blessings. We say that often, don't we? Counter blessings. We like to use this especially as a reminder that God is faithful when we're starting to focus on the things that we don't have or the way that things are becoming difficult for us. So that's count your blessings. Count your blessings. That little word, bless, we use it in many forms, and it becomes a workhorse for us especially with the trends of the internet. Does everybody know what a hashtag is? For those of you who don't use social media, a hashtag is a sign. It looks like a number sign or a pound sign, and you put it in front of a word at the end of your post so that you can sort through posts of similar subjects. So a very popular one is hashtag blessed. It's used widely. Jenny is nodding. She understands this. It's used widely in social media to express gratitude for the fortunate circumstances in everyday life. It can also be used for bragging. Hashtag blessed could be used to celebrate spending time with family, finding a good sale at a clothing store, saving money on a new car, taking a good nap, or breaking a personal best record at the gym. The point is we've come to use that word bless in really casual ways in our life and in our faith. And it can seem like light fun, and it often is. But considering the current situation in our nation and in our world, we might use this word a bit more somberly, such as we're blessed to be alive. We may consider ourselves to be blessed because we're not suffering in the ways that others are. And that highlights the fact that blessing and being blessed can be complicated. Perhaps we are grateful that we're not suffering complications from COVID-19 right now. Or we're not suffering the devastating effects of the hurricanes. Or we're not fleeing from our homes because of violence where we live. But what about the people who are? Are they not blessed? And if not, why not? Why was that blessing taken or withheld? The problem here may not be with those questions, which are certainly understandable, but with how we understand and view what it means to be blessed. We view blessing as comfort, as ease, as a fortunate circumstance or event, even in our faith. 
We view it as God keeping us free from harm, helping us in difficult times, teaching us to focus on the positive. But scripture tells us that God has something else in mind when it comes to blessing. We read it this morning in the words of Desmond Tutu from our storybook Bible. God smiled and said to Abram, I will bless you and your children so you can be a blessing to all the people of the world. This is a really great way to wrap up our sermon series, The Stories That Made Us. We've been spending several times, several Sundays, this is the fifth one, right, talking about these favorite stories of our faith, creation, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Noah and the ark, because they have meaning for us. We can find ourselves in them, and we can see God at work in them as well. They provide a critical foundation for our personal faith, but also for our faith tradition. And as we turn to the story of Sarah and Abraham today, we begin to zoom in from the history of the world to the history of the people of God, the people to whom we trace our own identity as the children of God through Jesus. Again, it's a familiar story to many of us, and we can find it in chapters 11 through 25 in Genesis. That's a pretty lengthy reading assignment, so we often highlight two passages to get to the heart of the matter, and both of those passages were referenced in that short version of the story that we read with the children. First, God speaks to Abraham, who is known as Abram at the time. And Abram means father. So God says to this father, who has no children, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. Now, if we stopped reading there, we could think that the blessing from God was all for Abram's benefit. And we often do this without realizing it. We get so caught up because we're so grateful for the goodness that we experience in life that we tend to think about blessing as something that we receive. And it is. But there's a second part to the promise of God to Abram, which we find if we keep reading in Genesis 12, when God says, I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So the promise of the blessing is found when God says to Abram, I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So blessing is not just about receiving. And yet we often neglect that second part, the part about being blessed to be a blessing. Maybe it's that we just don't think about it all of the time, our part in blessing others. But sometimes it's more than that. Sometimes we neglect our role in blessing because we think we don't have anything to offer. We don't have a part to play in the blessing of others. But that's one of the great things about these stories in Genesis because they are origin stories. And we human beings, we love origin stories because we can see ourselves in them. We can see that human beings have struggled in similar ways from the beginning. And we also can see that God has been present in those struggles. In this case, God repeated the promise of the blessing to Abram every so often to remind him that God was still at work and God would be faithful to that promise. 
That's what the star talk was about. In chapter 15, which is another passage that's referenced in our storybook Bible, God assures Abram that the promise will come to fruition. God promises Abram that he will be faithful, that God will be faithful to Abram and is also it's an invitation that Abram would be faithful to God, that he would be a father to multiple generations, to as many people as the stars in the sky. Now, I really think this is a brilliant move on the part of God, if I can be so bold to say that, because the reminder of the promise recurred every 24 hours as the night fell and the night is the beginning of the day in the Jewish tradition for the Hebrew people evening was the beginning of the day so at the beginning of every day Abram could be reminded by the stars that God was still at work that the blessing was still ongoing yet even with that stunning daily reminder Abram continued to resist the blessings of God from time to time questioning how God would bring about this promise because he was getting old and Sarah was getting old as well in fact Sarah even laughs in the face of God's promises when Abraham is told that Sarah is going to give birth after she's past the age of childbearing and you may have noticed the name change there It happens in chapter 17. God begins to call Abram, Abraham, which means not just father, but the father of many, the father of multitudes. And Sarai, which means my princess, is known as mother of kings from that point forward. This is not a small thing. These name changes are really important, even though the names themselves don't appear to change too much. God views Abram as the father of multitudes and Sarah as the mother of kings, plural. So with the expansion of the meaning of their name, God is inviting Abraham and Sarah to become who God is calling them to be, to envision both the blessing that they will receive and the blessing that they are to offer. With their name changes, God is calling Abraham and Sarah to envision the blessing that they receive, and the blessing that they are to offer. And God is faithful to the divine part of that bargain. We see that in chapter 21 when Sarah gives birth to Isaac, who later becomes the father of Jacob, who becomes known as Israel. That becomes the name of the people of God, who were created not just as the fulfillment of the promise, but to fulfill the promise to be the blessing in the world that God called Abraham and his descendants to be. So it's true that Abraham and Sarah didn't see the complete fulfillment of that promise. How could they? It's still being fulfilled. We hope in us, the people who claim our identity and God through Jesus, one of Abraham's many sons. That may be another reason that we find ourselves hesitant to see our role in blessing others. We think that what we do doesn't matter. Or maybe it's not worth it because we can't see the fulfillment of the promise. But the truth is it does matter. And it is worth it, especially in today's world when the tensions are so high in pretty much every area of life 
beloved, it's a great time for us to renew our commitment to our part of the covenant to be as much of a blessing or more than we receive. And it is a commitment and it requires trust. And that was Sarah and Abraham's part of the agreement to trust God enough to leave the place that they called home and the people that they called family and to follow God step by step into a new land. The thing to remember here is that God is leading the journey. God is directing the steps even when Abram doesn't know where those steps are leading. And God is asking for faith and trust to be sure, but God is not just walking away when Abram begins to take the steps. God walks with Abram in the journey because the journey is about much more than where they're going. We talked about this a little bit on my very first Sunday with you all when we talked about the story of Ruth and Naomi. And we said the journey was about more than where they were going. It was also about their companionship on the journey. And so we see another component of that here, that the journey is not just about where we're going or even with whom we are going. It's also about who we are becoming. This journey with God is about who we are becoming. In this promise, God says that Abram will be blessed with a great name that will be carried through generations and generations of descendants through a nation of people. And many of us would count our families among our greatest blessings. But the value doesn't lie in the number of descendants. It lies in the way that those descendants live as blessings in the world. The legacy that our family members leave, that's what really matters. This is a very important piece of our biblical narrative because every time we see God get angry with the people of Israel through the prophets in the Old Testament, it's because they're not being faithful to the covenant. They are fighting with each other. They're not being kind, but also they're ignoring the needs of the most vulnerable in society. They're disregarding the needs of the marginalized. They are happy to receive the blessing, to be God's chosen people, but they are not offering the blessing. They're not fulfilling their purpose. And when that happens, it is disastrous every time. The people bring ruin upon themselves, essentially rejecting their blessing from God by neglecting or sometimes flat out refusing to be blessings to other people, refusing to shine like the stars in the sky. So, beloved, what the story of Sarah and Abraham teaches us is that the stars are not hanging in the sky for our own comfort. They are a sign They are a sign not only of God's creative work, but of our purpose in the world. They are a sign, not a symbol. And that is an important difference. A symbol is something that represents something else. It's maybe a smaller version or a picture. It represents something else. But a sign is something that indicates presence or action. Something is going to happen A sign indicates presence or action. And in the United Methodist Church, 
we reserve that word sign for some really important experiences in our life of faith together. In baptism, which we discussed last week, the water is a sign. It's not a symbol. It doesn't represent something. It is a sign of God's presence, God's action in creating our identity as the children of God. In the meal, the holy meal of communion that we will share in just a moment, in this very service, we have the sign of the bread and the cup. They are signs of God's presence with us and God's nourishment of us in a unifying way as we remember once again that we are the people of God. In marriage, the wedding ring is a sign. It's a complete and never-ending circle. It's a sign of an eternal commitment. It points to God's work and our work in the world. And our liturgies of these celebrations use the word sign instead of symbol for a reason. These elements are not representing our life together. They are indicators of God's very real presence with us and God's live action in those experiences. And in the case of the promise to Sarai and Abram, the stars don't just represent God's creative work. They point to God's continued work in the world through us. They point to our purpose of being a blessing. Now, I bet you know what I'm going to say next. This is our mission at Morningstar. It's rising before us again. We have identified ourselves as a people called to point others to the grace of God that we find in Jesus. In other words, to shine brightly, as bright as the stars in the sky. And so that's our invitation for this week and beyond, to shine brightly. We could even adopt this hashtag, hashtag shine bright in our social media interactions. Or if you're not a social media user, just say it out loud in your day as you pay attention to the way that you speak to the people in your lives, the way that we pay our bills or wash our dishes or check on our friends or meet our work deadlines or tuck our kids in at night. Hashtag shine bright. It indicates our privilege and our responsibility to recognize that what we do serves as a sign of our connection with God. And the possibilities really are endless as we recognize that God's blessing has a purpose. And we're willing to move beyond saying, bless me. And even beyond, bless you. To bless us all at the risk of sounding like Tiny Tim in a Christmas carol. But he had a point. He did have a point. It's not enough to simply count our blessings to truly live as God calls us to live, to shine as brightly as the stars in the sky, we must be willing to give our blessings away. And that's when we will come to know what it means to be truly blessed. Amen? Amen.